On this episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to be reacting to your reactions from our previous four episodes where we dove deep into who the Nets could trade for as a third star. Some of your emails. And at the end, a nice simulated conversation, a real conversation, but a simulated trade with Oklahoma City Thunder podcaster Andrew Schlecht. Andrew and I broke down a possible real trade between the Brooklyn Nets and the Thunder for Chris Paul. Today's episode of Glue Guys is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. And The Athletic, by the way, now is the time to dive in. 90-day free trial. Just Google The Athletic and 90-day free trial. You're immediately going to find a beautiful link. Get in on it. Free 90 days. It's a gift. It's a gift to yourself in these trying times. If you aren't already a subscriber to The Athletic, Brian, there's just so much gorgeous it's just gorgeous so- link you can't i mean just go google it just to see the link it's beautiful you know it's really great the one thing that i would really recommend there's a lot of great writing on the athletic that is sort of evergreen is what we call in the business meaning uh it doesn't expire it's not like just you could read a game story from october about the nets if you were too deign to but there's just a lot of really good content on the athletic there's a particular series by joe poznanski who's a baseball writer he wrote the 100 best baseball players of all time it is one of the best things I have ever read. Wow. And the amount of words that it took to write the 100 players ended up totally more words than Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Wow. One of Mike. the most fiery books of all time. And Mike is a big a big lit guy. He's he's read lit. his Infinite Jests. He's done War and Peace. <laughs> and this is You know what's funny is that the, that was the other two books that it was compared to in terms of word count. Right. Definitely did not hit Infinite Jest or War and Peace. Mm, those uh, are big ones. Of course, I tried Infinite Jest. You, you have you read all of Infinite Jest, Brian? Uh, I am. A sh- I am sort of embarrassed to say that I have. I know you. So that's that's so I'll, that is I'll right say, in the. Yeah. I feel like you probably read it. Yeah. That was probably your first book. I was. I was twenty three. I was feeling like you know that was a you know I needed to climb Mount Everest. You know at that point. <laughs> For me, climbing Mount Everest was actually reading the Goblet of Fire in one day, which is what I did. No big deal. Your man is a fucking talent when it comes to reading Harry Potter books. That's it. I know that. I know that. Um, Exciting show for you today. We have been diving headfirst, toes last, into a third star trade market for the Nets, and we've really appreciated your listenership because you guys have responded so tremendously. So what we're going to do today is we're going to dive into some of your responses from our list initial two sort of main topics that we've been focusing on. If you haven't listened yet, we did best fit third star and most realistic third star trade possibilities. We together have come up with like about 18 different names for players. So we're going to do a little bit of a discussion on reaction to that. And then, as you may have heard in the tease at the beginning of the episode, 
Andrew Schlecht from Down to Dunk, which is an Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, a very good Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, is going to join me, and we're going to do sort of a mock trade. He's going to represent the Thunder. I will represent the Nets, and we'll see if we can come to a consensus on getting Chris Paul yeah. to the Brooklyn Nets. Some that, that, that was I a like. spicy one. People people were especially spicy on Twitter about the Chris Paul thing Pe- because we we like sampled it or whatever for the athletic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a that was a busy uh, thread. I found. I gotta say, we I've already done the discussion with Andrew. Oh, okay. I, I'm not gonna step on it. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. I mean, what I wanted to say was, my, Mike, my apologies. I'm not gonna bring it up anymore. <laughs> as I as I went through it, I kind of realized the trade itself, the amount mm. of talent that have to be shipped shipped out, is yeah jaw dropping. A little disproportionate. But again, my whole theory about Chris Paul is that. He himself represents a sort of elevated level of basketball that I don't know that Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert are at right now. I do think they can may- maybe get there. Not Chris Paul, Chris Paul level, but a certain level. And so it's just one of those trades where, like, how desperate are the Nets? Chris Paul is available. Costs a lot of money. So we'll see. Um, Brian. Yeah. What are the people saying? What's the so buzz on the people- street? So let me just say, first of all, thank you to everybody who's been participating in this conversation. It's been good. Everybody generally has been really uh, enthusiastic about everything that we've said to this point. You know, the vast majority of people understand that we did four hours of content, talked about a whole lot of different scenarios, some of which more likely than others. But I think generally everybody was like, oh, interesting. A few names I hadn't thought about, a few names everyone's thought about. Um, But so anyways, just like general, let's all give it. Give a hand to ourselves for participating and having having a great time with this. First up, cheer boy Kenneth Frank in the email, mm-hmm. netspod at gmail.com. Please always remember to send emails. We we never get to them at the time, but like this is a stockpile. I've got a bunch of them. You know, they they accrue over time and we'll we'll get to them eventually. We always do. We always do. Mm-hmm. Um so Kenneth Frank, thank you. Um he says, Hey guys, hope you're holding up well. We are holding up better than ever. Um is Mike Smeltz. My idea is to trade Dinwiddie Prince and the Sixers' first-round pick for Cherboy Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I like this trade for the Nets because it gets us a high-caliber three-point shooting center and allows us to keep Levert. It's also a great opportunity to clear up the guard logjam by trading Dinwiddie. <clears throat> for the Magic, they get starting-caliber point guard. They can probably play alongside Fultz or ahead of him. They get a first-round pick, and they create space for their young bigs to develop. Ken. Thank you, Ken. Mike Vucevic. Yes or no? Yay or nay? The Nets do not have to give up Dinwiddie Prince and a Sixers first round pick for Vucevic. Though I do like Vucevic quite a lot. I don't think they have to give up that much for Nikola Vucevic. Do you? Is that is that the world? I think Dinwiddie for the, for the Magic is, I think he's like, it's like their ultimate ideal for a point guard at this point because Dinwiddie allegedly kind of maybe could be available to be had with how like the ball handling thing will shake out. Um, I really like Vucevic, and but again, it comes back to the problem with this team where it's like he's ultimately still offense first, defense second, dude. He does. He is actually he's a better ideal of what Brook Lopez is, except Brook Lopez can now play defense. Now we all recognize Brook Lopez's defensive capabilities. When for years we were told he was a bad defender, when if you had watched Nets basketball, you knew that that wasn't true. It's also possible that he's just basically the exact ideal of of Brook Lopez. Sort of, uh, he's a twenty point scorer when he's sort of a primary option on a average to not super great team. Um, 
and in in that way his his averages go up. I mean, here's the thing: like, is it is it necessary? I feel like people are generally pretty intrigued by getting a big to fill in this third spot, right? And I would push back on that idea a little bit. I think we've talked about this collectively that um, the way that the league is is zigging, you know, you don't want to be necessarily zagging at the same time unless you have like the the perfect sort of pieces for that. Now is Anthony Davis, whose house just hit the market in in the greater Los Angeles area, uh, a, you know, transformational pivotal piece. Yeah, of course. Of course. You do everything to sign Anthony Davis in free agency, which we're 100% going to do. Um, Does does Vucevic have the same kind of gravity? Does it fit into place in the same way? Like, for my money, I'm not sure that I don't want Dinwiddie over Vucevic necessarily. I think people think that's crazy because you can look at Vucevic and be like, wow, look at all these rebounds. You know, look at at how he's a seven-foot, like, legit center who shoots lots of threes at a pretty high tick. These are very valuable things, and I would say, like, I don't know. Look at look at how valuable it's been. Like when when Brooke Lopez has had his most success, it's because he's been a fifth option on a team that does a whole lot of other stuff other than focus on having a three point shooting big. Um, those are sort of complementary players, in my opinion, at when they're working their best. So you know, it's it's sort of like, do you where do you evaluate Dinwiddie regarding in regards to that? Like, I I, I don't know, but I'll say this: I think that that's enough to get to pry Vucevic away. I don't know that you can make that happen without giving up Dinwiddie. You know, um, I mean, I don't know who else fills in that spot, but people are pretty high on Vucevic. Everyone everyone seems to generally like want it, want him, um, and I think Ma- Magic included. Yeah, I mean, my thing is that I really like about Vucevic is that like I've always he's continued to be sort of the class of player who could fit firmly as like the number one scorer on a bad team or he seems to also be a guy who could be the third best scorer on a very good team little I'm not just saying this because they're both foreign players Pau Gasol ish now he doesn't have Gasol's like Gasol had a higher defensive ceiling and Gasol was obviously less of a three-point threat not that Vucevic is like this incredible three-point threat but that's also era dependent um I do like the idea of Vucevic on this team. The problem that you get to is I, 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 you do not want to continue to throw a whole bunch of assets to the center position. Again, a position where in crunch time, KD is going to be playing the five, at least defensively. You know, like he will just be out there defensively and offensively. He's still going to be around the perimeter. He's not going to be like the pick and roll guy. So I don't think you want to spend a whole bunch of, more money on the five. Here's the interesting thing about Vucevic's contract is that right now it's a tw- it's a four year deal that he just signed, and it's at twenty eight million dollars a year this season. But it goes down by two million dollars per year every year remaining on the deal. It's one like the Magic seem to specialize in these contracts that decline over time. So it's twenty six million dollars a year next year, which we're getting pretty comfortable. Twenty four million in 2021-2022. and then the last year of his deal. It's $22 million, and obviously maybe he will decline along with the value of the contract, sure. I do like that, of course. It's it's nice that you're you're not getting an asset. Why we also like Aaron Gordon is that Aaron Gordon's contract continues to decline over time, and he becomes more and more of a value. Um, I still much higher – I value Spencer Dinwiddie's current play. I value him as a, a tr- intriguing – Backup option for Kyrie when we just don't know what Kyrie is going to ever consistently going to be able to play basketball. And I don't think it's the best use of our assets. Like, this Sixers first-round pick isn't amazing, 
It's in a really bad draft. But it's the type of thing that, like, you can throw into a much bigger trade. It's the type of thing where if you throw that pick in plus two Nets picks into the future, those are three first-round picks. That's math. One plus two. And those three first-round picks plus Dinwiddie and Levert gets you, I mean, that gets you a really good, that gets you a top 40 player in the NBA potentially, right? Like, that gets you in a really strong sense to be your third option. And I don't want to put those assets into Vucevic. I wish the Nets could get Vucevic in a way where then his salary isn't so high and to make the contracts work. Like, I was trying to play around with getting Vucevic and Aaron Gordon for, like, Dinwiddie and Torian Prince. But you'd have to then throw in Karis LeVert, and I will not, I am not entering that territory, right? Like, that's too much restructuring and too much throwing assets in for two guys who ultimately probably wouldn't really play for you in crunch time. Aaron Gordon may, Vucevic may not. Um, Mike, can I ask you something? Yes, sir. Were you cleaning out a chimney or, or maybe building a fire uh, not too long ago? Is that soot on your fingertips that I'm, that I'm seeing? What um, am I looking at here? So in this everyone is at home <laughs> reality, uh-huh. Rowan, my son, two-year-old Rowan, the heir mm. apparent to this podcast dynasty. Is that, is that how we're going to do it? We're going <laughs> we're going to yeah. pass it down through our, <laughs> yeah, through our line. Um, we were doing finger painting. Uh, oh, we were nice. painting. A, we were making a bird. And you got to get hands on. You got to dig in there. So that's what this is. For finger painting, you literally, you get hands on with that. It's literal. It's in the the name of finger painting. (laughs) Uh, No, but I like the idea of, I do, you brought up an issue, like, so I don't know if you answered your own question. Do you think the Nets should look at the center position as an upgrade spot? I mean, yeah, look at it if if that's where the best play, like, again, I think we also need to be be thinking, it's hard to... There's a new paradigm here, right? We have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on this team. I think it is we we st- there's the vestiges of beta Nets fan that that are lingering in the ranks of the fandom. Can I say that? Can I say that without without offending everybody? We're, we're both because, beta, like, here's the so thing. that's fine. Vucevic, <laughs> great, nice player. Does does Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving get out of bed for a Vucevic trade? No, no, no they don't. They don't care at all. They those are two they. He, they they will never learn his name truly. I think is 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 what you get when you get Nikola Vucevic on this team, and and I think and I think what you would would need to be all thinking about is like, hey, this is these guys are here because they are championship, you know, perennial championship competitors, and they're not. If we're going to make a trade for a third star, and we're, we've we've gone over this for the last four episodes or whatever. Um, I think we do collectively need to be thinking pretty big here. Yes. Um, otherwise, this it, it's this has the potential of being a lateral move, and a lateral move is not one that you want to do right now to be shaking up, stirring up the the nest, the hive of of the Nets, you know, team right now. Like lateral moves are just too risky. Like in Dinwiddie's politicked his way neatly into being good friends with everybody, it would be not necessarily a great thing. Um, and also, Spencer Dinwiddie is amazing, and we all love him. So there's that, too. Um, yeah. And I don't think I've ever asked you specifically this, but I've always been under the assumption, partly from reporting from national reporters and just because I think that's how the timeline would really work out, is I think the Nets, if they make a big trade, it's happening this offseason, if we, like, whatever offseason that we may end up having. Because they have... Levert, Dinwiddie, and Torian Prince, all their salaries are going to elevate to the level where they all became 
they're not they don't increase in trade value but then you can combine their salaries and make them better they do have this Sixers first round pick that they would probably want rather use in a trade than actually use it as a pick and so I've always been operating on the theory that like part of when we did our realism thing why Bradley Beal Bradley Beal is less realistic is because I don't think the Wizards are trading on that timeline they are not trading Bradley Beal this offseason unless Bradley Beal says something crazy like I would want to be traded so do you think that the Nets themselves will try to make this big trade this offseason, or will Sean Marks take a more sort of patient approach? Um, I, I agree that I think this is the offseason to do it for a lot of reasons, and the reasons you mentioned, managerial ones, totally, that checks out. But also, I think the on-court product benefits from making the trade sooner rather than later, just because, like, you know, uh, Kevin, Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie haven't played any minutes together. Kyrie played of all, all of all of uh, like 30 games or whatever it was. Um, I don't think either of those two guys are feeling full integrated ownership of anything that's happening on court wise. So it's easier to bring in a third person now and have them not like, there's no, there's not like, you know, it's like you made your chili, right? It's, 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 uh, it's setting overnight. Um, and <laughs> sorry, wait, I just, I can't even finish my analogy cause it's too dumb. Um, but like, yeah, it's all these flavors haven't even begun to come together in the pot yet. So, so let's get their ancho chilies in, you know, now and let that sit at the same time with everybody else. You know, you don't go, you're not going to make your chili a week ago and then put your, and then put your ancho chilies in tonight or your, or your crushed garlic, you know, later you want to get that all at the same time so that everybody gets to know each other in the pot. Mike, that's that's how the best chili is made. You understand? So, anyways, I'm saying like it's it's way better to not have to integrate somebody when the team's further along. It's it's not it's not anybody's team yet. Um, I mean, it is, but it isn't uh, on, like in terms of what they do strategically on court. So, yeah, I think for basketball reasons as well, you bring people in now, right? And it's so we had the to kind of trace back the timeline of this all. You obviously have Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving coming to Brooklyn. And we at least were initially led to believe that they were cool with the situation. They were good with Kenny Atkinson. They were good with sort of with the developmental mindset. They really like, we knew that Karis LeVert and Kevin Durant had this relationship and that Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving had this relationship. And those relationships probably do hold. And I imagine Kyrie and KD don't want to see LeVert and Dinwiddie traded. But we also know that Kyrie came out in, when was it, February, or whenever it was, probably actually earlier, January, when he said specifically, here's are the players I like, and we need more help beyond those guys. And the people that weren't included was just Jared <laughs> Allen, mean, right? It's it's hard it's hard not to read into it, but I do I think he just like made a gaffe of which he started naming players I, and, and realized halfway through, like, I should not be naming players. Yeah. And so he stopped before Jared Allen. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. No, but... And then who ended up starting the moment Kenny Atkinson got fired? It was DeAndre Jordan. So I think we can clearly see that Kyrie isn't like holding. He's not FaceTiming Jared Allen every day at this point. Okay. So Kyrie Irving literally comes out and says, we need more help. And if I'm Sean Marks, and I do know that, and I made this decision to fire Kenny Atkinson because, quote unquote, people, some in the locker room had had stopped listening to him. And Spencer Dinwiddie himself has come out publicly and said, I am not one of those people. We don't think it's Joe Harris. I doubt it's Karis LeVert because Karis LeVert probably is, uh, owes a lot to Kenny Atkinson and the entire staff's developmental mindset for turning Karis LeVert from a guy who had massive amount of injury problems into 
someone who's now making fifteen million dollars a year and is considered, you know, one of the bright young bulbing stars of the Eastern Conference. Um, not sure where I was going with that, but so we believe the people that weren't listening to him are the older making money dudes, which is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, and maybe Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple seems to be in that cabal at this point. Um, so if you feel that way, you're Sean Marks, you fire your coach already, the guy that you had been very close with, and Kyrie Irving had previously already said that they need more help. And now we have all these reporters coming out here saying, I think the Nets are going to try to take a big swing this offseason. If I'm Sean Marks, I cannot walk into next season with the exact same roster because if things don't start off well, I will have a new coach. If things don't start off well, well, one, there's going to be a lot more pressure on that new coach. And the rest of the league is going to smell that desperation with the Nets. Kyrie is not going to hide how he feels. Kevin Durant is not going to hide how he feels, though he's probably going to be a little bit better at, at it than Kyrie Irving is. If I'm Sean Marks, as just the grand scheme of things, I need to make something happen now, and I may have to overpay now to make it happen in this offseason as opposed to trying to game it out and get the best little deal you know, a month into the season or whatever, however it would work out. So, you know, we kind of, I don't know that says nothing to do with Nikola Vucevic, but, you know, I think overall, as we continue to think about this, we continue to think about the, the third star, who the third star should be. We think big, like you're saying, and we got to think availability because it's got to happen this off season. As you said, with your chili recipe, you're not just throwing in, you're not throwing the beans in mid stew. Mm, no. And, and who, what are the star of the chili dish? Beans are important, but it's still really, it's your meat. And then maybe your peppers, I would say. Peppers are the two stars. You got to select the right I peppers. Mean, it's a little, I mean, the meat is the, is the thing you're looking for, but there's a base there, a tomato base. It's tomato that, base. The tomato <laughs> that really base. helps. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the third star is the tomato base of this team. You know, yeah. it, 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 it's going to, it's going to be the missing link. And a missing link right. in a chili is the tomato base. Right. Um, so they're going to have to it's make the glue deal. of the chili. It's the glue guy. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. Uh, that was a great question. Um, yeah, we got a lot of mileage. That. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Um, next up is cheer boy. Ty Stevens um, says, Hey guys. So this is just, I mean, we're going to probably fly through the next couple of these. Cause there are going to be a lot of centers coming up in this conversation. Um, really like the idea of the Nets trying to poach Gobert from the Jazz. His expiring contract may lower the asking price, and I think he would be a great fit next to KD and Kyrie since he defends the rim and sets screens. I do not know if I would trade Kara Spencer and Jarrett for him, but I would build a package around two of the three best. Tyler, thank you, Ty. So um, we've talked about Gobert in the beginning of the first podcast that we did because he the day that we started talking about this was also the day that this Donovan Mitchell beef talk about talk about that chili you know the beef is is really rising to the top of that one um he, they are not getting along and they don't want to play I guess Donovan Mitchell can't bring himself to play with Rudy Gobert after his viral gaffe or whatever I don't know I don't know what it's based on but they don't like him and they want him out of there so uh Seems to suggest they're selling low on Rudy, um, I guess, right? If they actually go through with it. Right. Uh, would you want to be part of a selling low, if they are indeed selling low on Rudy, um, trade? Okay, so I, 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 it hurts me to say this, but Jared Allen already feels very expendable, right? Like we're, 
we're going to be living in this reality where, and I don't know if Sean Marks think this way, but DeAndre Jordan, because of all the mutiny that happened um, involving Kenny Atkinson, that like going forward, DeAndre Jordan definitely is going to be the starter next year. And if he's not the starter, it's only because DeAndre Jordan doesn't want the perception that he pushed out Kenny Atkinson because he wasn't starting. But it was a problem from the very beginning. And it ended up being one of the reasons I think why Kenny Atkinson was hard. We know that because he started DeAndre Jordan started to start games when Kenny Atkinson was fired. Okay. So he had started some games early in the season, but it become it had become a thing. Okay. So I don't think the Nets are then going to trade for another center to supersede DeAndre Jordan. I don't think they need to again. Like if they if they just have DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen next season, though I don't think Jared Allen would be on the team. That is a very acceptable, that's above average center rotation in the NBA. Possibly even top eight, considering that neither of those guys are a top eight center. Now, if you can get, if so that means also, though, that Jared Allen is expendable. And I think he's going to be probably included in pretty much any trade that happens because another team will view Jared Allen as an asset. He's young, talented, has played a lot of minutes in the NBA, can build his own computer. That in this Zoom reality is very important. Go back to Gobert. Of course, I love Gobert. You love Gobert, right? Like we, yeah, but he would be a nice imposing presence down low. But I just don't think, again, it's like, do you want to give up? Yeah, if you give up Spencer and Jared Allen for Rudy Gobert and that's really it, sure. That's, I mean, I would be an idiot to say that Gobert does not improve your team because he's defensive play of the year like eight different times. He is the most impactful post defender in the NBA. He immediately fills a weakness on your team, which is your team's offensive focused. And he would elevate the defense to such a high degree that then we're getting back into the territory of like, this team is more complete. The only issue is, is that I don't think they're going to go for a center unless if it's Carl Anthony Towns, like that's literally the center or Joel Embiid. Uh, One thing that we haven't talked about. So, one of the podcasts I help produce, I don't do much. I don't want to take too much credit, but it's the athletics Sixers beat podcast. Okay. So I hear a lot of Sixers talk. It's a very good podcast. They just had JJ Reddick on this past Friday. Very good. Listen, if you want to listen about what JJ Reddick thinks about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, dive into that episode. But I was thinking about the Sixers, you know, they, they got Al Horford to be a Giannis stopper in a way. And you know, as we're thinking about this team more and more and what they need to add, I don't think we are, you and I aren't considering how maybe the Nets should get a third star who is best to then attack Giannis or best to then withstand Joel Embiid, right? Like the Nets, if they don't get Rudy Gobert, would have a weakness protecting the basket, would have a weakness against a team like the Sixers, who Joel Embiid would probably still have to be guarded by DeAndre Jordan which is not a good prospect or against the bucks who can just Giannis can always get to the hoop. Unless if he has like five guys, there's only five guys at the NBA who can really guard Giannis and, and Gobert would be one of the guys who could stop Giannis from just dunking on their heads. So it's an interesting aspect to Gobert that I think needs mm, to be explored. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Again, <clears throat> I mean, if they're truly selling low, low bargain bin prices, you know, I can be tempted. What's um, a bargain bin price though for you? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, it depends on how how much acrimony is truly uh, taking place here. Because, like, 
uh, I mean, having Donovan Mitchell outspokenly be like, I don't want to play with the guy is like not a great situation. Um, I don't know how real that is. Uh, but like, if you're getting, if you're, if you're just giving up Jared Allen for him, I, as in terms of like what player, I mean, picks, whatever else. And then like, you know, Torian Prince to make salaries, you know, things like that. Just one of those three of the care Spencer Jared. Um, and if it's Jared, then I think, I think that that's Gucci. I would do that. Um, I wish I don't know. I wish DeAndre yeah. Jordan was a trade asset. Oh. Yeah, he's not. But the thing is, like, too, like, I think, I think <laughs> I DeAndre Jordan that was. You're like, yeah, he's not. Just, like, boop, <laughs> yeah. On. Um, but I do think that in a world where Rudy Gobert gets pried away for those low, low prices, um, I, you know, DeAndre Jordan, I think, would be chill, like stepping aside for for Rudy Gobert to get more minutes. I don't know. That's again, yeah, we're raising so, our man. eyebrows. It's not obvious. I don't not, think so. Uh, yeah. Here's another one that is a is an issue. Uh, well, thank you for that, Tyler, and that was fruitful. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about more Rudy Rudy Gobert as the months wear on. Brent Tillman says he's he's not even he's just going right to boom boom. He's like rapid firing ideas here. So Brent Tillman's just an idea factory. He goes no no intro no nothing just Spurs Lamarcus Aldridge Nets Spencer Dinwiddie Jared Allen Spurs Lamarcus Aldridge Greg Popovich yes. Nets Spencer Dinwiddie Jared Allen plus first round pick. Now we're talking. Hawks, John Collins, Nets, Karis LeVert, plus Torian Prince. Bucks, Giannis, Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Rody, first round pick, pick swaps, Lakers, Anthony Davis, Spencer It's just getting crazy. So he's just firing him off. Um, but okay, so let's just briefly talk about this little Marcus Aldridge thing because uh, I don't think he's come up yet. And uh, unless I'm wrong about that. No, he has not. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think that for good reason. He sort of fits the Vucevic mold um, with. With more age and experience, more miles on the tires, um, are you are you at all tempted by Lamarcus Aldridge as a third star on this team? I okay, I'd rather Vucevic. Yeah. So I think so. Defensively, Vucevic is more of a center than Lamarcus Aldridge. Though I'm sure someone can throw a bunch of Lamarcus Aldridge's center stats in my face. I am not interested in LaMarcus Aldridge. It's this whole thing of like, we just went through, so a lot of the people that we are getting in these trade discussions, we, there's so Brent Tillman, what a beautiful email, and at John Collins for Karis LeVert and Torian Prince. By the way, Torian Prince is not going back to Atlanta. Atlanta does not want Torian Prince. So he's not heading back to Atlanta. So if we want these John Collins trades, we can't do Torian it's, Prince. It's tough. But it's tough. we forget that Kevin Durant is going to exist. And... Like, we have a glaring hole at the four spot, but Kevin Durant's going to fill that hole. He's going to more than fill that hole. It's going to be, oh, it's like when you put Mentos into a Diet Coke and it explodes, that he will be filling that hole with Diet Coke Mentos mix. It'll explode. Wow. Wow. Um, it's so we can't, don't throw any power forwards in my face. Aaron Gordon's oh, the man. only guy that's interesting because I think he could be. I think he's the four that besides Anthony Davis, but I'm not counting the Anthony Davis thing. That's not. Yeah, you haven't you've you've basically just not uh entertained that those not those rumors at all. Not entertaining. I would entertain a Giannis to Brooklyn way more Anthony Davis is in LA. He wants to be on LA. He And you're such a troll though. Like this is exactly the kind of thing that I think <laughs> you would you would pick up on. I mean, I'm surprised that your your brand of trolling doesn't include this. Um Can we talk about Giannis for a second? <laughs> Please. How much Okay, Giannis comes Giannis says I want out of Milwaukee, but any team I get traded to, I will not sign a, an extension right away. I, I ref, I'm going to do the Kawhi thing 
or I'm going to go to the team doesn't necessarily mean that Giannis will not re-sign with the team. But Giannis says outright, I want to go to free agency. So you get Giannis for a year. How much do you give up Giannis? For, for a year of Giannis, how much are you giving up? Um, Golly. Golly, geez. I mean, yeah, so I'll tell you what Brent Tillman's giving up. Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Rody, first-round pick, and swaps. Um, or slash pick swaps. Um, ye- for a year of Giannis, and this is in a, in a, in a world, a, a new reality where Giannis is discontented and wants to leave Milwaukee, which is not the case. 100%. Um, so, again, big hypothetical here, people. Let's, let's imagine he's getting the Rudy Gobert treatment. Um, and they they want to kick his butt off the team. Well, they don't um, want to kick his butt off the team. No, he wants to kick his own butt off yeah. the team. So not the Rudiger Bear. Um, anyways, one of those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, for one year, to be honest, with no assurances. Look, the Kawhi thing netted them a championship, Mike. Isn't that what we're here for? That is what we're isn't here that, for. That's exactly isn't that what, what we're the, here for, Brian? Isn't that what we do? <laughs> I mean, I think if you if you bring Giannis onto this team, that's pretty much auto championship territory. Yes, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, you literally go on two K and you do auto season, just so you yeah. get, and then the banner will flash up. You've won the two thousand twenty one NBA championship. You'll see yeah. a picture of KD, Giannis, and Kyrie hugging. They win the championship. Health dependent, right. they win the championship. It's over. Yeah. So I, I give up. Sure. Yeah, Dinwiddie, agree. Levert, Jared Allen, have them all. I give up three first round picks. Easy. That's easy. Okay. That that isn't even like thinking about swaps. You could probably convince me into a swap. I may ask like, hey, can I have DJ Wilson? Because I always love DJ Wilson. Um, and they don't like him. Easy. That's easy. Now here's the thing: if Giannis became available, and this may be a larger pod, so I don't want to destroy it now. If Giannis, if in this scenario that Giannis comes out and says, I don't want to be in Milwaukee anymore, I will go to any team in the NBA, but I will not sign an extension because I want to go to free agency. Miami is sending, I don't know what they can send at this point, but they're sending everything they can under the sun to get Giannis. The Knicks, I think, would go bonkers hard at, at this because they... For, with what, though? I mean, like, who, they, who can they... They would give yeah. up five first-round picks, pick swaps... R.J. Barrett, and that's it. Um, <laughs> that's that, I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess that's okay, but that's not even that's not better than our package. No, I don't think. that's not better than. Yeah. And, and like, so you just go around the NBA. Boston goes. Now maybe Boston doesn't really go this far, and they actually don't have as many first round picks anymore as they used to. Um, but they go here is now. I don't think they put Tatum in it, but here's everyone else, and everyone else could be Jalen Brown, who Jalen Brown I would say is better than Karis Levert. Jalen Brown is probably still thought more highly than Spencer Dinwiddie. So maybe Jalen Brown's. So I just think like everyone in the, in the NBA begins to marshal their resources to go all in at Giannis. Now the teams that can't do it are the Lakers and Clippers. And those would be the two teams that you would be most concerned about. Dallas would go crazy, but Dallas gave their first, I think the Knicks have two of Dallas's first round picks in the future. So Dallas is limited in that sense. And maybe they say, here's Chris Epps Porzingis. You got, we will give you him plus something, and Porzingis is still valued enough that that could do it. But in this reality, I would give everything up. Because also I'd have some faith that like if Giannis was with the Brooklyn Nets for one season, and he was with Kyrie, and he was with KD, that it would convince him 
to want to sign with the Nets over any other franchise. I'll say this big difference, too, in the Kawhi Leonard saga between that being his second championship with a second team. You know, had he gone, had he not won any championships with San Antonio and then gone to Toronto and won a championship, I think that would have been a big deciding factor. But, you know, there's a whole lot of confidence you get from being like, well, I've done it in two places. I could do it in a third. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I so I don't think this is going to happen, right? This is all. No, fantasy. of course not. This is, we, this is three months into Corona or whatever. We're just talking crazy. So, um, but sorry, I didn't mean, did you have, did you have more you wanted to say about that? No. And I do want one more thing though. So Giannis has one more year left on his deal at 27 and a half million dollars. Not that hard to get to that number financially for the nets. And, um, it's just like Torian Prince and Spencer Dinwiddie, but obviously the nets would not Torian Prince isn't in this trade. It's Levert and Dinwiddie and Jared Allen three to four first round picks. I guess Rodion's Krooks also would be the deal, according, you know, Mr. Tillman. Brent, Brent has some good ideas. Then he says he has a couple of back to realities, which is yeah. Levine for Levert, which is something we've done before. But where would you go? I don't think we did straight ahead Levine for Levert. No, I yeah, and I don't know that I would do that. I mean, the one that so here's the one, and Alan Blackman, who we'll get to next, also echoes this, which is talking about Demontis Sabonis. Um, not so including the Pacers and the Magic in a three-team deal in which Aaron Gordon and Spencer Dinwiddie are involved. Um, so I I will confess to being a big Sabonis fanboy. Absolutely, liked liked what he does. Of all of the big men that we've talked about, I'm more most tempted by him and what he does. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily right. If that's just my my bias speaking, um, but I do think that he's just like sort of a a motor in a way that a lot of the guys that we've talked about to this point, like aren't, aren't, I mean like Rudy Gobert, maybe like in like the, in a defensive way, but he's lumbering and it's like a whole different kind of player, or whatever. Um, Sabonis for me feels like a, a nice sticky third player, um, but who's also just like spicy, you know? So it's like, a, yeah. And, and I like that spiciness for, for that, that third spot. Um, so for me of all of these big men that we've talked about and Miles Turner is also appearing on Alan Blackman's list later on um I am much more tempted by Sabonis than any of those other guys. That being said, I, and if you can get Sabonis for just Spencer Dinwiddie, I might take a real long look at that, Mike. Yeah, and so and also the Pacers are going to face an interesting decision with Oladipo cuz Oladipo I think only has one year left on his deal and there's been like a little smoky smokes about that you know, Oladipo, maybe not a hundred percent all in being with the Pacers. I imagine with him, it's like, they're going to give him a max contract and he's going to sign it. And then it's one of those situations where like, we'll figure it out later as in maybe Oladipo will push his way out a year after that point when he signed the contract, or maybe he won't if the team does well, the Pacers still have to figure out the miles Turner Sabonis situation for the most part, at least we've been told. And (laughs) I feel like, if I'm the Pacers, I basically just give up Miles Turner to any team that I can get any little bit of value for. Like I go yeah. to the Clippers and I say, give me Landry Shamit and I don't know what else you could possibly give him at this point for Miles Turner. Like you kind of sniff around because Sabonis is the guy you want to hold on to. I love Sabonis. I would love what he brings to the Nets too because more than like how Rudy Gobert would be a phenomenal defensive presence down low. Sabonis would just be just like feasting off of offensive rebounds off of like KD and Kyrie shots. And he would be a guy who 
he's going against second team offenses a lot or defenses a lot because you'd be putting out there with bench units and he would just become the focal point of those units and you know he's not a, a ball handler so he's not a guy who can get his own shot in that exact way but he is a guy where if you're in a series and they're doing everything they can the other team is to stop Kyrie and stopping KD Sabonis could get you 35 a game in a series where they're they they're like we'll let Sabonis feast and he will continue to feast as if he's at a golden corral on a monday afternoon <laughs> yeah i like that also like of these big men he's like the the more he's like a well, he's a slashing wing like when he's running the court yes. at times like he he really runs the court well um and for yeah a team that's built around like these sort of leaner faster offensive players i kind of like that speed versus the plotting lamarcus aldridge and vucevic games that's much more built for the half court um also it'll be interesting to see what what kevin durant's coming back like i mean it could be that he's even more half court focused than he used to be, but diversifying that that offensive pressure might be nice with Spoonus. I'm so excited. We haven't talked about this. I'm so excited for Kyrie and KD to play basketball together. Yeah, like, there should be moments where we all think about in the day that that's going to happen. Yeah, no matter how surly they may be or whatever leak stories may happen, we should all take a breath and just enjoy the fact that like Ky- Kyrie Irving, while playing basketball, is one of the most entertaining guards in the NBA. With Kevin Durant, who is a top twenty player all time in the NBA, like those are those are two guys going to be playing basketball for the Nets, and that's exciting. Those are that's yeah. a fun thing, <clears throat> really exciting. Also, and final shout out to Alan Blackman, he gives a ringing endorsement of our Ben Simmons trade idea, um, saying Spencer Dinwiddie plus twenty twenty one lottery protected first for Ben Simmons. He thinks that gets it done. Um, Mike, do you think that's all it takes to pry away Ben Simmons? No, no, that's not. I don't think so. But, I don't think so. But it, it's like one of those things where you're not protecting any pick, really maybe top four protected or something just in case shit happens. Um, but I don't – That's Ben Simmons is still valued enough in the NBA where, like, if you're a bad team, you would want to throw a couple of more assets to get Ben Simmons – like if you're the Bulls, I don't know why they're not offering, you know, like Zach Levine and I would I would even offer Kobe White for Ben Simmons. And then I would just be you like You would? Kobe White had an amazing end of the season. I know, but I if I'm a bad team, I look at Ben Simmons and I would just say if he has his own team to run completely by himself that like we have a chance of getting like 83% of Giannis. Like the way Giannis is offensively, maybe 87% of Giannis and and Ben (laughs) Simmons is a better natural ball handler and better natural guy at finding guys on the wing for open shots than Giannis is obviously a thousand times better, but like you could construct an offense easily around Ben Simmons. See, I think it's almost the opposite. I think you can, you, you can construct an offense around what Giannis does just because he's so explosive and so, so much bigger and faster and taller, stronger than, than everybody. And basically is just like streaking past people in three strides to get to the rim. Ben Simmons is, you're right, like 80% of that. And when that gets stopped, he is severely limited. So, like, he has the one weapon that they share in common. And then outside of that one weapon, he has not tacked on enough other skills to really, like, I think make, to serve as a proper engine for a team's offense. Sure. You know? And, and maybe you're right. Maybe that 83% is right. Because maybe, like, if, if that's that's the move... Yeah, it could be that that's correct. Anyways, I mean, I don't, um, I don't think Ben Simmons could be the best player on a championship team, but I think he could be the yeah. best player on a team that makes the playoffs every year. See, I think he should stop even. I mean, like, it's possible that he I, I'm 
I would almost argue that if he starts thinking about what he looks like as as more of a cog in a system, that that might be a better fit for him sure. long term. No, you know? I think that's healthier. I think that's a healthier yeah. decision. It's like deciding not to continue to go out till 3 a.m. Sure, you could decide to do that and yeah. to, to not black out every night. But, you know, everyone has to but go through the period human. in their life where we- they all black out <laughs> every night. You know, that's just everyone we're does that. S- and both of us are still in it. And, you know, we're working <laughs> through it. So um, next up is Cheerboy Matt Hardy, a.k.a. UK Nets fan on Twitter. Uh, big fan oh. of what you do, Matt Hardy. Big fan. Yeah, great Twitter. Thank you. Um, he says, I hope you're all well. I've been seeing a lot of talk about the Nets and their involvement with Beyond Meat, players investing, Kenny's apparent opposition to veganism and other such stories. Given Kyrie, DJ, Wilson Chandler, and Garrett Temple have all adopted a plant-based diet, as well as Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, and other NBA, <laughs> others in the NBA, what are your thoughts on this permeating through the rest of the organization? There's a great story on Medium on the subject, too. Um, as someone who follows a plant-based diet, I'm all in, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, Mike, what level of credence do you give to the Beyond Me conspiracies? Um, so uh, Kyrie does seem like a prosthesizer, prosthesizer, uh, someone who prosthetizes, right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Any of those three. You know yeah. why I think that is? So it was Nick Claxton's <laughs> birthday last week, and he yeah. put out a quote from The Alchemist which is a book that Kyrie Irving is often referencing, references it like seemingly every time he's he himself is on social media. It's a very popular book in NBA circles. And it's obvious Kyrie was the one who told Nick Claxton that he should read it. And Kyrie mm-hmm. seems to be very much into uh, sharing his thoughts and hoping others will be, you know, sort of adopt his way of thinking. Um, huh. So I think it's a real thing. I think, you know, Nets may be the first plant-based team. It's 100% real. What is the alchemist and what is it about? I don't actually know anything about this. Just Google. I don't I don't know for sure. I don't it's it's a book. Is it is it like mysticism? Is it like what is it what's in here? I think there's some vague uh right. religious stuff. I really I don't know. There's you like really know. good there's there is one really good article about it about why the NBA players seem so attached to it. It partly has to do with Kobe, I think was like the originator of the person who like first loved the book. Um okay. but it's a, it's a little culty. You will, uh, yeah. So the story from the Athletic, which you can get and read if you go to oh, theathletic.com. Wow. Mike Vorkanov, who covers the Knicks, who's a very good writer, uh, from Kobe to Kyrie, how the Alchemist became the book to live by in the NBA. And there's a lot of why that is. It's heavy on mysticism and self fulfillment, which is mm. seemingly the type of thing that would make a lot of sense for why people want to read it. So yeah, and Nick Claxton quoted it, and I think that's. Because Kyrie Irving said, hey, you should read this book. Um, Um, So all those conspiracies are true. Um, Next up is Cheerboy on Twitter. He's curfew202. Goes by AJ here. Uh, Sup, guys. Hope you are well and healthy. But since Kenny got fired, I have wondered who is going to be the coach. I thought Phil Handy at first, which, Mike, I cannot tell you. How much Phil Handy owes you everything? Let me just say this because nobody was talking about Phil Handy, and then suddenly everyone's got Phil Handy on on the forefront of their minds. He's thinking, I thought Phil Handy at first, but now I'm leaning towards Jay Kidd. He may be a snake and a bad person. He's oh, no. plugged in with Kyrie and the players. I have always had a bad feeling about signing Kyrie and KD, but F it, we have to go all in by culture. Signing off, AJ. Um, thank you for that email. Um, yeah, this is also we continue to forget that. With all this free agency talk and all these trades, like a big part of what the the construction of this team is going to look like is going to be dependent on who this new coach is. That's right. Like, um, I, so I and, think about the, the thing yeah. about Jason Kidd that I want to strongly say, 
The only way Jason Kidd would ever become the coach of the Nets in this current regime is if KD and Kyrie both went to Sean Marks or went over Sean Marks's head and went to Joseph Tsai and said, we want Jason Kidd to be the next coach, which I don't think is going to happen. The reason why is because Jason Kidd has proven to be a guy who stages mutinies. We talked about mutinies. He's the guy who constantly wants power. If we don't remember, he he and Billy King had a power struggle here in Brooklyn. He, I believe, had also a power struggle in some sense in Milwaukee. Um, it's surprising that he can just be an assistant coach. Everyone thought when he was an assistant coach with the Lakers that he himself was somehow going to get Frank Vogel fired, though Frank Vogel did a very good job and does that does not seem happening. Sean Marks himself is not going to hire Jason Kidd because Sean Marks would know that ultimately what Jason Kidd will want is also Sean Marks's job. So that's not happening. Um, Are you hearing that there's two, now two car alarms going off at yeah. the same time? Yeah. What is happening? I don't know. Oh, um, sorry. But, sorry, everybody. We're in the city. This is, hey, it's Brooklyn. Okay, sorry. So Jason Kidd is not, but the only way Jason Kidd becomes the coach of the Nets is if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant go directly to Sean Marks and Joseph Tsai and says, I want to, I want Jason Kidd to be the coach. So I think it's going to be like more of a, you know, we, we did our deep dive into coaches. The more I think about it, I think it's like Mike D'Antoni, if he's available, if he's not available, it's Tom Thibodeau. And if Thibodeau, if the only way Thibodeau isn't the coach is if above both of those guys, if Greg Popovich makes a signal that he would like his time in San Antonio to be over. And I'm sure the Nets trade a first round pick for Greg Popovich and they finish out their run. Um he finishes out his time in Brooklyn. And who knows if that's going to happen? There's been no real smoke that Greg Popovich will be available. So I don't think it's Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is kind of proven to not be a great guy in organization as a coach. Mm. I didn't um, retain any of what you said because I was fixated on that cacophony outside my window. Sorry <laughs> about that, Mike. <laughs> um, that's fine. Yeah. You didn't Anyways, miss anything. <laughs> you no, missed no. literally nothing, and we're going right. to talk about it a million more times. That can't be right. Yeah. Um, next up is your boy, Adi. Adi Kulkarni. I'm a doctor and more or less in self-quarantine for the next couple of weeks. This is this is an oldie. Um, I'd be happy to answer any and all of your medical questions. I'd be happy to come on the pod and just answer medical questions that you guys have for the pod. Let me know if that's something you're interested in. Um, we've had a lot of interesting... He sounds off. Wash your hands, Adi. <laughs> this is good. Um, we've had a lot of interesting... So, Mike, you, you still have your Achilles pod coming out. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. may need to talk about how the virus affects... You know, things like that. You know, someone's rehabilitation from an Achilles injury, for example. So um, I'll put you two wow. in touch. Um, what what a nice transition, Brian. Yeah. Because there's one last thing I want to talk about. And then we'll we'll have to, I think we should move on to our grander scheme here. The one last thing I wanted to talk about was that Rich Kleiman, Kevin Durant's manager or agent. I'm not quite sure why we keep making the distinction, but I guess he's more involved within Kevin Durant's business operations. So he becomes a manager and he's not an agent. Um, spoke to Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated. And I very much like Rich's Twitter presence. He seemed a lot of, lot of exclamation points, very positive, tries to be very positive. I like that very much. Uh, but he said to Chris Mannix, he said, um, he was asked specifically, 
Has there been any thought to Kevin, Kevin Durant, coming back to play if it was July or August when the NBA comes back to basketball? Here's what Rich Kleiman says. I promise you, Kevin and I have not talked about that. And I know it sounds crazy, but my assumption has been that wasn't very realistic. I know when the time will be right to have that conversation, but it just hasn't been that time. and It just doesn't feel like it's needed. Chris Mannix follows up and says, that is a lot to ask for a guy with a bright future, meaning Kevin Durant. Kleiman doubles down. I'm reading from netsdaily.com. That's what I mean about unrealistic. It's just, you know, I haven't even asked him because it just seems so unrealistic. And there was some discussion also. Rich Kleiman, I think, was on another show talking about how Kevin Durant's rehab was has shifted, of course, because he's not playing, you know, everything shut down. His rehab would be basically shut down. And I have said that before, too. My only issue with what is being said here and I don't doubt that he's being somewhat truthful, but it's not unrealistic that Kevin Durant could come back to play basketball. It's not unrealistic that a guy who was playing four on four uh, and seemed to be medically cleared to be doing that. I mean, he was medically cleared to be doing that. It wouldn't be unrealistic then that four months after that point when he was playing four on four, that he would also then be able to play basketball in a real sense. I think there should be other considerations and we should be saying those other considerations. We meaning Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant, which is like, do we really want to put Kevin Durant, a guy who was recovering from injury out into what will be, if basketball comes back, a very condensed playoff environment? I don't think you should, in fact, do that. I don't think you should put Kevin Durant if it's only going to be this condensed environment. But to say it's just unrealistic doesn't make really any sense it's very realistic that a guy who's playing a four on four that then four months later if basketball returns would be able to play basketball there's no there's nothing unrealistic about that i mean maybe he meant unrealistic because we don't know when basketball's coming back we don't know if it's ever coming back in terms of this year we just don't know anything so how could we even talk about it sure say that but don't just say it's unrealistic that doesn't make it doesn't make any sense it's very real it's the most realistic thing of any of the scenarios we're talking about, if basketball comes back in July and August, it's very realistic that Kevin Durant could play basketball. So I want just I could just use a little more description. I could use a yeah. little more thought. It's you want a very an big apology, question is what you want. You want him to apologize to you, Mike. That's what you want. Personal apology. <laughs> Do, I mean, am I? I don't. You're not crazy, and you've continued to not be crazy throughout this entire thing. But look, it's a massive conspiracy. The international, the global cabals is conspiring. And what, what can you do, Mike, at that point? Hands are tied. And I know K- KD has said, oh, I, uh, like he had said previously before everything got pushed back in the season, he was like, oh, I'm not, I don't think I'm coming back. And he's in the Nets of saying, you know, he's not expected to come back this year and all that stuff. I still, there still feels to be this like wiggle room that they're trying to operate in. And Beyond saying unrealistic, I mean, Rich Kleiman is as close to Kevin Durant as anyone besides Kevin Durant's own family. And so, like, he knows Katie's thinking. It's very strange that he wouldn't have turned to Kevin Durant in a FaceTime message and said, hey, are you, what are you thinking? You want to play basketball? You know, it's an opportunity that you could have. You love basketball. You know, the MJ doc is out, the last dance. And in it, you know, Basketball for all of these players, like basketballs, they're like their chance to get away, their 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 purpose in this moment, in different moments in time. And I would think Kevin Durant would be a guy who would be very drawn to the basketball court. 
and he has been in his past. So I just think it's very strange that we continue to say it's unrealistic. It's like, let's but just say, like, we don't think it's good for Kevin to come back in a compressed playoff scenario. We don't think that's good. Or say he, he may come back because, you know, he realistically, realistically, he has a shot at coming back because his leg is fine. They don't think you can handle the truth, Mike. That's that's the reality of it. You specifically, more than any, more than most. Mike, is that the end of the episode? That's it. What a beauty. Wow, we did it. I have a few things. I have a few mentions, a few ats. Um, your boy Lou Estevez wrote us a very kind note. And, you know, in the Glue Guys ecosystem, we got a lot of big-brained MFers out here. We have, you know, Audi in Dartmouth, Hitchcock Medical Center. We have, you know, 3CB Performance on YouTube. Go check them out doing biometric videos. Um, just a lot of big brains in here. Lou Estevez among them. He's got a new podcast called What's the PH Deal by three fellow science PhDs. His fellows, not mine, because I don't know any of these people. Um, but they are going, they're doing a podcast about the their experiences in getting a STEM PhD. I listened to the first episode. I thought it was really good. That was really fun. And Luis Vez is a huge part of the show. He's been a, a fan for since day one, as far as I can tell. Um, so I wanted to give him a shout out and say you should go check out his podcast if you are a person that is interested in maybe getting a STEM PhD. It's different. It's not Nets content. That is not Nets content. But um, I think it might be cool. Anyways, so there was that. I wanted to give a little shout out. That's maybe. beautiful. Um, you like that? So coming up, you're going to hear... Uh, discussion with this is a bonus content for you all again Andrew Schleck from Down to Dunk which is the best Oklahoma City Thunder podcast Andrew and I did a fake trade discussion between the Nets myself and the Thunder himself where I tried to pr- try to extract Chris Paul from his grasp and I tried to give up as little as possible and I think it's a good exercise that you're going to hear about what it would actually take to Chris Paul and what the Thunder, the intriguing thing is what the Thunder may actually want in a deal to trade Chris Paul. It's also a good exercise for you, Mike, as you audition for your next job as a GM of a professional basketball team. It's right around the corner. Yeah. Uh, five stars, one, and we need them. Epi Kiku guys, all that good stuff, right? Yeah. yeah, let's get out of here. Yeah. Joining me today is someone I work with. But who also is the absolute greatest Oklahoma City Thunder podcaster in the entire universe, Andrew Schlecht. Andrew, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm pumped up, man, because I, I my favorite thing about doing basketball podcasts is being a fake GM. <laughs> Same. Yes. <laughs> we are we are role playing to the nth degree. You know, during these times, you got to find the small joys. And oh, have to. Yes. <laughs> Creating a fake Chris Paul trade is the smallest <laughs> joy I can figure out today. For listeners of the Glue Guys, uh, basically what my co-host Brian and I have been doing is we've been trying to figure out the Nets are pursuing a third star to pair with Kevin Durant, someone Andrew knows very well from his time in Oklahoma City, yep. and Kyrie Irving. And throughout my, my intensive research, one name that came up that, that is intriguing to me now and I think is more intriguing to many people around the NBA is Chris Paul. Of course, Chris Paul plays for Oklahoma City Thunder. So I wanted to bring in Andrew here, and we're going to do a sort of a mock general manager trade discussion that will hopefully lead to both sides being happy. If not that, at least me winning this trade mightily, and then <laughs> Andrew can never go outside in Oklahoma City. So question uh, before we begin. Am I yes, sir. coming to you as myself or as what I think Sam Presti <laughs> would want? 
I, I, I kind of like a blend of both. Okay. Right? Okay. I, I can do little, that. Because you can be Presty and you can think what Presty would want, but I also, I need your basketball expertise. I'm going to come as what I think the Nets would do, but plus what I would not. There's a line I won't cross. Yeah. And I think we'll get to that line and it'll be disturbing. But first, yeah. let, let me ask you. So when the Thunder first got Chris Paul, obviously he played the whole season with the Thunder, the whole season that we've had so far. Did you initially think that he was going to get to this point, that he would still be on the team at this point? that he was when you go all the way back to the trade that happened initially no one i was livid that they traded westbrook to the rockets and that we were getting (laughs) back chris paul because like the view of chris paul at the time was man this guy's annoying he's not you know he's hasn't worked well with other like big superstar names and like why do i want that guy on my team he's annoying i don't want that guy and then (laughs) over the course of the season it's been like this guy's awesome. Maybe he could be my dad. You think we could do that? Uh, <laughs> like he's he's an incredible guy and an incredible basketball player. But at the time, yeah, I thought, okay, we're gonna pass him on to uh, Miami. We're gonna pass him on to whoever, and you know, we'll be done, and the Thunder tank season will begin. But uh, the Thunder had different plans and things that haven't. The Thunder are still like in this kind of limbo period. Uh, it's just existed longer than I thought it would. And so, uh, and Chris Paul's certainly a part of that. And they've been way better than anybody thought. And Chris is the reason why, really. Yeah, and I think what we will discover during this mock trade simulation is that Chris Paul's value right now is just at a point that most people weren't anticipating heading into this season. Because... Yeah. The conventional thinking was that Chris Paul was about before the Westbrook trade. It was like, how could the Rockets ever get rid of Chris Paul? The trade happens because Westbrook's contract was so large and personalities got involved. And now we're here. And I think there's going to be some there's going to be multiple bidders possibly for Chris Paul. Now, his contract still is is an extremely tough road to hoe because to add up to get to Chris Paul, you're going to have to give up something good typically. And then it throws everything out of whack. And I think we'll figure that out. But like immediately jumping to mind is the Knicks. You know, the Knicks may have the salary cap space to completely consume all of Chris Paul's salary. His former agent, Leon Rose, is now running the team. You can tell they're probably pretty desperate to get someone like Chris Paul in there to legitimize the operation. Um, so there's one team immediately, and I still think, you know, I don't know what Miami's salary situation was, but they, they may still be interested. There may be a couple other teams out there that could decide, you know, if we just get Chris Paul, I don't know if the Sixers or someone like that, if we can trade some big salaries, it makes sense. So are you okay with parting with Chris Paul? I should ask you that first, General Manager Schlecht. Uh, yes, depending on what the <laughs> what what we yes. what we get back. Uh, yes, because the the truth is that this Thunder team is not the like the next great Thunder team, and the general manager of the Thunder, Sam Presti, and their ownership group, they have no interest in being anything but great. And so, uh, this team, while very good, and you know, middle of the road Western Conference team. They may not, they're not guaranteed that even next season. You know, like Chris Paul gets injured. Like he has a lot in his career. Then this whole thing just kind of unravels. And then you have to tank, but you still have Chris Paul's salary and you can't trade him. So to me, this is the prime time to trade him. And so 
the kind of again for Nets, the people who had been listening to our pod but didn't hear where I got to the Chris Paul thought. So Brian and I went through this whole prism of most realistic trade possibilities, and the names that came up within the realistic trade possibilities are like Aaron Gordon, yeah, Zach Levine, yeah. Bradley Beal's on the list, but the thing about Bradley Beal is is that it's likely the Wizards won't trade him until at least midseason next year. If yeah. not, they're going to wait a full time, and who knows with COVID-19 when we're even going to have that season. But the Wizards are probably going to wait till they see him with John Wall. Mm-hmm. So Bradley Beal's a little bit down lower. Drew Holiday, I think, is the flashiest name who seemingly available, um, could be gettable, but he'll be very expensive. I think probably more expensive than Chris Paul, um, I, more highly valued throughout the rest of the NBA. But I landed on Chris Paul because what we've gotten out of multiple different high-level NBA reporters is that the Nets are going for a blue-chip coach, which is what Brian Windhorst described their search for their next head coach, and they're going for a big swing in terms of the trade market. Mm. And what tends to happen in... When you become a team that has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that level of star is those players, while they may like Spencer Dinwiddie and they may like Karis LeVert, they want to go into a playoff series with people of their level or people that they can rely upon in really big moments. And we don't know if Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie are those people yet. And the timeline with all these things are very condensed. You can't mess around for multiple years. LeBron wasted one year in LA and now year number two may be canceled. And then we're already looking at the next year and it, who knows what's going to happen. Yep. So my thinking is as you go along, Aaron Gordon doesn't rise to the level of superstardom. Zach Levine, certainly not who, who, who is available in the NBA, but quotes around available that makes sense that you could put next to Chris, uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and say, this is a real upgrade. What yeah. we're doing. No, I, so Chris, I agree. Chris Paul. And he's, and he's proven all year that he can play with other guards. Like everybody's like, well, you have two point guards and Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul, you're playing with, with SGA and with Schroeder. And it's one of the best lineups in the NBA. So should we go into our simulation? Let's do it. Jump in to the simulation booth. Okay. Now I'm going to act as we're no longer friends. <laughs> We okay. are enemies. We, uh, okay. we are on opposite sides of the battlefield. Okay. I have my poker face on. We're on Zoom. This is how all trades will be processed now. It'll be through Zoom. Okay. So this is very real simulation. Okay. Hey, Andrew. Uh, yes. I uh, I was wondering, you know, I'm sitting here. I was wondering, what what's the status with Chris Paul? Are you guys, what's happening there? Are you still interested in maybe, I know you had, had discussions last offseason season. Flipping him immediately once you got him. Where are you at right now? How do you feel about him? We are over the moon with Chris Paul. This is our guy. Stop. Stop. This is You're lying to my face. <laughs> no, I think he's uh, he's proven a lot over this year, and he's in a much different place. And this is what we thought. We thought that he would be in a better place after playing here in Oklahoma City, after eating only plants for uh, almost a year. That uh, now he's in a better spot, and if we could move him on to a, a title contender, I think he would appreciate that. Uh, as long as it's amenable to us, so I think that's where we're at. Okay, so I think there's only really one way a Chris Paul trade can work. So the Nets have a couple of nice mid-range salaries. 
DeAndre Jordan is one of them, but DeAndre Jordan's not tradable because he's part of the Super Friends. Yeah. He's part of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. DeAndre Jordan, they're all best buds. Not so happening. Does so he have three years after this? He's three years after this. I would also argue he's not tradable because he has three years after this. <laughs> he's he's not as bad as I think what was originally believed. Yeah. He ended up being, I think, my argument is he's been better than Jared Allen all year. Of course, okay. you'd want to invest in Jared Allen. But DeAndre Jordan was one of the best rebounders in the NBA still. He's a crafty player on offense, not in terms of scoring, but he he can ha- not handle the ball, but he can be a guy who gets a pass and then knows where to go with it next. Mm-hmm. He still does some nice alley-oops, um, but he's not tradable. So he's okay. out of this discussion. So the bundle of contracts that I could give you for Chris Paul, because Chris Paul's salary next season is $41.2 million, yeah. I believe, which is quite large. It's a large number. Is I can give you Torian Prince. So Torian Prince is going to be, and let me pull up my my dossier here. Torian Prince will be at fourteen million next year. Okay. Karis LeVert will be at sixteen million, and Spencer Dinwiddie will be at eleven point five. And here I'm going to be honest with you, Andrew. I am not going to give you LeVert, Torian Prince, and Spencer Dinwiddie for Chris Paul. Okay. There's almost no way I can conceive of that happening. Did you go into this conversation thinking you're going to get all three from me? I honestly don't want all three. <laughs> okay. I don't. I. How dare you? <laughs> I know where you're going to go with this. Please continue. We don't want a middling team. I think that would give us a, a middling type of team. Okay. And so I want to bottom out. And that type of trade is not a bottom out trade. You pair Spencer Dinwiddie and SGA and you have guys on the wing that can shoot it. Like that's like that's a pretty good team. You're fighting for the eighth seed. I don't want to fight for the eighth seed. Don't stick me in the middle. This is exciting because I was afraid you would balk at. I'm being honest now. I, you know, I had a few, I've had a few tequilas or something, whatever. <laughs> I thought you would have balked at Torian Prince. I thought you would have been afraid to accept Torian at 14 million dollars a year because here, yeah, here, what I would want. Okay, so I feel like Karis Levert is valued in the NBA, even at $16 million next year, an extension kicking in. That's a very reasonable extension. Yeah. We saw guys who are worse than him get way more money. And even though health is a major issue for Karis Levert, Karis Levert has pretty nice potential still. And the final month of this past season, he was like 25-5. and five. Spencer Dinwiddie, sub-all-star, right? Almost at all-star. Yeah. Torian Prince, disappointment. Um, yeah. I need to give you two of those three. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, you can disagree with me. I st- I think around the NBA, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie have more value than Chris Paul. More value? Hmm. I don't know. I think that's. I mean, relative to their salaries, yes. Yes. I would part say. Of, I would yeah. say. I would say that relative. I mean, especially Dinwiddie relative to his salary, eleven point five for yeah. a guy who is for sure starting point guard. A, you know, he, he can, and his role can vary. You can put him in a lot of different situations and he's going to do bench guy, Superman, or he'll be starting your offense and you'll be satisfied. I don't know if you'll be happy, but you'll be satisfied. How old is Dinwiddie? 27. Okay. Or he'll be 27 in next season. So he could be 27 right now. Okay. Um, Levert's 26 and Torian Prince is 26. What I'm going to propose to you initially and the salaries would still have to work out, but I would have to include, I don't want to put Karis LeVert in this trade. So it's Torian Prince, Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm going to include Garrett Temple because I need the $5 million, even though I've been told 
that he's extremely close with Durant and Kyrie mm-hmm. and DeAndre Jordan. He's like now become the fourth best friend. And I'm going to throw, I need to throw like John and Musa in and Rodion's crew. I need to throw some filler salaries at the end, but basically that will work to get us somewhat where we need to be. Okay. So you get Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, and some filler. Now, I want Chris Paul, but I also want at least a first-round pick back. You want a first-round pick. Sorry. I, I want, I'm going to hang yes. up. I'm hanging up now. You can okay. have a wonderful day. I hope before, that your weekend is nice. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> before you hang up, let me ask you this question. Okay. Any other trade you're going to get for Spencer Dinwiddie, or not for Spencer Dinwiddie, for Chris Paul, are you going to get someone as good as Spencer Dinwiddie? You know, to me, I don't really care about getting a 27-year-old that's good. I really don't. Again, this is all about the draft. This is all about the future of the draft for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm not trying to win right now. This this team that's been put together, it's great. It's wonderful. They're, they're a nice team. The downgrade from Chris Paul and what he's been to this team to Spencer Dinwiddie is, is not great. And that's not helpful to me. It makes us a worse team and... Uh, and it doesn't help me get to where I want to go, which is ultimately trying to compete for a championship. So to me, what I need back is all I really want in a Chris Paul deal is salary, draft compensation. That's really it. I don't really care what the salary is. I don't care who it is. I really don't. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Do you think, though, in any scenario, you'll ever get draft compensation back besides a second round pick? Because you have to like include something. Well, I got, there, we got two first-round picks and two pick swaps for Russell Westbrook. Yes. So, yes. Because that was a desperation. Hey, w- we may be looking for somebody else that's desperate. <laughs> <laughs> we may try to find someone else that's desperate. I, th- I think the middle ground here, I may have to call up some friends around the network here. And this is a Zoom call, so we could get them in here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think what could work, tell me this, because... Still in the grand scheme of the NBA, Dinwiddie has value. Mm-hmm. So maybe what we do is we take Dinwiddie. We we have to send him off this team. And it was particularly forgetting Chris Paul. Yeah. Torian Prince, I think you're going to have to live with him being on your team. That's fine. But we could send Dinwiddie away to a third team who would want him. Let's say the Orlando Magic. Okay. And you get... Where would the Magic's pick be this year? They're probably the 15th pick in the draft. Yeah. What do you think about that? That's interesting. What if what if we could rope the Wizards into this? Don't know if we can rope, rope the Wizards into this. Well, because what? But they would get Dinwiddie? Yeah, they could. Yeah, they would get Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie, Bradley think, Beal. That's interesting. And John Wall. John Wall technically is coming back. John Wall coming back to OKC. Oh, you want John Wall to go to OKC? <laughs> we will be heavily compensated for such a for such a contract. <laughs> well, how much do you have to accept to take John Wall into OKC? I probably Is that two first round picks. Probably two first round picks. Very little protection on those picks. Are you okay if that first round pick does not include this year's first round pick? I don't want this year's first round pick. Okay, I think because I think the Wizards would more want to, even though this draft is bad, would more want to select in this draft. From what I, I think they want this immediate. Because they need Bradley Beal to prove, like they need to prove to Bradley Beal immediately, yeah, that this is happening. Yeah, no, I'll take twenty twenty. I don't know what their draft situation is. I could probably look it up real quick, but I would prefer to have a uh, a pick that's twenty twenty two or after. You're not willing to part with the twenty twenty three first round pick from the Clippers? Oh, absolutely not. Not at all. No, 
I have no interest in that. I wanted the 2023 pick badly. Okay. But you're telling me the basics that I would have to do here is I would have to give you, we give you Dinwiddie, who is probably the more valuable asset, but that's fine. I'm just putting it out there. Torian Prince and Garrett Temple and some fillers. Mm -hmm. And we get Chris Paul. And then we can figure out, does Dinwiddie move to the third team? And that's how you get draft compensation. That's how you get the future picks. That would make more sense to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would accept. I just wouldn't give you a pick in that deal. You would just get Chris Paul. Just get Chris Paul. Yeah. As a basketball, how much better are the Nets if they get Chris Paul than Spencer Dinwiddie? I mean, Chris Paul is an all-star in the Western Conference this year. He's he's been He's been really good. He can really shoot it. He can still defend. And to me, if you've got guys like KD and Kyrie as the leaders of your team, I would want somebody else as the leader of my team. And so <laughs> I would, uh, I'd welcome Chris Paul in that situation. How are people feeling about uh, Kevin Durant now in Oklahoma city? Are they, is it still anger? Still furiousness? I mean, it's done. I mean, you know, time heals all wounds. So I think at this point, it's just kind of funny, especially with Ethan Strauss's book coming out. Mm-hmm. That uh, it's kind of like talking to your ex-girlfriend's ex-boyfriend now about, hey, about this girl yeah. that screwed you both over. So <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. Like we're, I think everybody's pretty intrigued with that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think we're, it's definitely not anger anymore. It's more like what, what could have been are the thoughts. But I don't think anybody's that angry anymore. Would it surprise you that in my head, there's a possibility that particularly if the season had come back, that James Harden could be available this offseason? Because I think the Houston Rockets thing, I think Daryl Morey would be done if this whole thing ended. It seems like him, and the owner, they're just like right at the edge. D'Antoni's definitely seemingly done. Yeah. And who and, and if James Harden had like a a second round loss again and they had done everything that they could. They got Chris Paul didn't work out. They got Russell Westbrook didn't work out. I could, I could see a world where like James Harden suddenly is just like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not going to wait for other guys to come to me. I'm going to wherever I want to go. And I've always thought it's interesting. How did he and KD, what's their relationship like? Oh, they were, they were tight in Oklahoma city. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were interesting. They were part of a, uh, they, they used to make videos together. He, uh, those, those two and Jeff Green, they called themselves the Browingtons. So you could you could recreate the Browingtons. Jeff Green's probably not doing anything either. Actually, he's on the Rockets. So oh, so you guys can get KD. We can trade. Well, no, I mean the Rockets could get KD. We could trade KD. We're, <laughs> you could <know>, trade KD. <laughs> why not? At this point, actually, that would be the the greatest process move of all time. It, it, is is if they traded Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving, and they just tanked for like 18 years and got, you know, the greatest picks of all time. Uh, by the way, the Thunder don't have their own first round pick this year. They don't. That, yeah, that's right. Is that, that that's got to hurt a little bit. Well, it's rebound. because they've been so good because they yeah. traded it to, um, who they? They're, they're losing it to Philly. Sixers. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a trade a while back. That was the Jeremy Grant deal. So, you know, I, I thought Eventually. they would keep it. This in this draft too, like they they have Denver's pick in this draft, so they have a pick like in the range that they would have been in anyways. So you're not going to give me Denver's pick. Give you Denver's pick. What do you want Denver's? It's twenty fifth overall. It's what what do you need? What do you need that for? Uh, we're just stockpiling assets over here in OKC. <laughs> That's all we care about. 
you take one of those picks away, it's that's painful. I'm convinced what would work out if like, let's say, so let's say Chris Paul moves on. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the handful of teams or is there any like, is there still discussion and reporting going on in Oklahoma City about who may be interested in Chris Paul? Is it only the Knicks? I mean, the Knicks are the big one just because you can you can see the fit immediately. They have, I think they have what Oklahoma City would want. They've got either young players they could send back or they, and they have like salary that's got like a year left on it, a lot of it. And so I think that they, to me, are the most logical. And if I'm the Knicks, you need somebody in there to teach RJ Barrett how to be a pro. And Chris Paul is like, he's the perfect guy for that. And even, I mean, you, the two point guards, Nilakina, Dennis Smith, I don't really like either of them, but give him, give them the best chance to actually make it if Chris Paul goes there too. So if I'm, if I'm them, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. If I'm the Thunder, I don't want Dennis Smith at, like, I, I, oh, no way. Yeah. You just don't even want to bring him in the building because, I mean, I'm not, I don't know him personally, but Mm -hmm. it seems like he hasn't worked out before. And particularly because you're, SGA is this the thing you want to protect. Mm-hmm. It's like when the Wizards first drafted John Wall, they tried to keep Gilbert Arenas away from John Wall's, but it's possible <laughs> right. that Gilbert Arenas is a bad guy. Right. But they, you know, you just want to put up that wall and protection there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do, I just wonder, Chris Paul's done such a phenomenal job of rehabbing his value to this point. I mean, it's not like he intended to rehab his value so that he could get traded. He right. was playing basketball and he's competitive and he wanted to play well and he just wants to hoop yeah just wants to hoop so i do think it the what the chris paul package will be if it happens will be very interesting to see i think there will be i'm not saying the nets are going to actually bid after him i do think the nets would be interested i think there are a couple teams that could see themselves like i wonder if the spurs suddenly get inspired to be like we're only going to have Popovich for two more years. Can we get Chris Paul here? And then mm-hmm. we have to DeRoz- I mean, that not that that's going to win a championship, but I'm sure Pop and Chris Paul have had many a conversation over red wine before in yep. the Olympics situations. Mm-hmm. And they've um, and they've got big enough contracts, and they've got some young, interesting guys. Yeah, you could you could take on. I mean, there's a couple of contracts on this team, depending on what you really want to do. Um. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Do you, would you predict, like, what's the percentage that Chris Paul does get moved? I'd say like 60% he gets moved after the season's over. Yeah. I still think there's, I mean, you have to look at the the salary number and say, so you, you can't say that it's a, a done deal. I think they would like to make a deal. And also the Thunder aren't, like, just how we simulate it. The Thunder aren't giving up picks at all. They we'll just, see. they just won't do that. Get me on the phone here. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to convince them. 2023, 2020. It's so far away. We don't even know. That's what they care. Knows. That's what they care most about. I know. <laughs> that's what they care more about than it, I, I think the Denver that's the pick, best pick. Right? That's that's the pick because you just don't know. I mean, that's are the Clippers still the Clippers in 2023? Are they this team? No. I mean, I can guarantee you they are not this team. Right? Yeah. Like they are. One of those two guys is going to be gone, if yeah. not both. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just how it works. Unless if Kawhi's like, unless of this like journeyman thing that Kawhi's been doing the past few years was only just to get to the Clippers. Right. And that's possible. It's possible. But you don't know. Right. You never know. All right. Well, I, I think this was a great simulation. We figured out that the Nets to have to get Chris Paul would obviously have to give up either Karis Levert or Spencer Dinwiddie. 
And if yeah. they're not going to get, they're not going to get anything back besides Chris Paul. Yeah, it's unlikely. Very and for unlikely. the Thunder, you guys, if you do trade Chris Paul, you're going to have to take some ugly salaries back, but mm-hmm. you could also, we can include a third team so you get even more draft compensation coming in. That's that's what we want. We just we just want to pile up our assets and just put them put them under our pillow at night. That's all we want. I'm telling you, 2023, just Clippers pick. It's, you're not going to even remember you have it. We, that's just, all I think about. Honestly, it'll be top five. I guarantee that picks top five. Every time Gallinari, every time Gallinari makes a three, all I think about is the 2023 draft. That's all I think about. <laughs> all right, Andrew, thanks uh, for joining me here on Glue Guys. Of course. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs>